Hello, 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 everybody. This is Father David. Welcome back to Coffee Conversations. And I'm Deacon Bob, and excited about our conversation today. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Another day. The sun is shining through, uh, shining through the windows. <clears throat> it's good stuff. So my, I had something, something fun happen this last uh, last couple weeks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My brother, my youngest brother, so I have two, two younger brothers, oldest of three, and he bought a race car. Like? Yeah, like a uh, like a stock legit car. Or? Yeah, it's a it's a late model car. It's uh, probably like 500 horsepower engine. Oh wow! So <clears throat> down near my house, uh, the the Barbonet Speedway. Yeah, we uh, we used to go there as kids. Wow! And we go watch the cars. Yeah, they have like junker cars and uh, demolition derby every once <laughs> in a while and and things. But this is like a legit like race car. <laughs> I I tried to climb into it the other day and it was like. The window was like I don't know a foot and a half wide because you're like it's like it's it's a metal cage oh, you're wow. you're you're in there, but uh, no it's it's a legit you got like he's got like sponsors and a number wow and it's it's all wrapped and it's yeah it's it's a legit race car that's pretty cool <clears throat> yeah do you remember your first car when when you first got your My first, first car? car yeah I had a Chevy Prism which was actually a Toyota. It had, because they were Toyota cars and Chevy bought them. Oh, okay. Um, so there was Toyota on the hubcaps, and then Chevy was on the steering wheel. So <laughs> mix and match, and it was a it was a manual, five speed five speed manual. Uh, it was red. I think I called it the the Red Baron. Well, I had gotten. What was your? Right out of college, or somewhere <clears throat> towards the end of college. A friend of mine sold me his car. It was a green Ford Comet with a three mm. on the tree. <laughs> yeah. And an Aruga horn. It was Ar- the coolest. Aruga. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. <laughs> nice. It lasted, it lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was fun. It's fun to have cars with personality, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's nice to have, like, you know, uh, a nicer car now <laughs> that, that isn't. Uh, I had muffler issues with, oh. my, with my cars over the years. I think mine was the clutch. <laughs> yeah. At one point in time, my muffler like fell off on 271 as, oh, I, as I was driving. <laughs> Thankfully, it, it came all the way off as soon as I like got off uh, off of the off the lanes. So. Oh, that's good. So it wasn't like a. But then I ran. Thing. But then I ran it over. And I popped my back tire. <laughs> oh, but it's that good was... you're on the side. As Correct. To... Nobody was harmed. Nobody, <laughs> nobody was harmed. We were all fine. Yep. So if anyone's around the, the Barbon in Ohio area on a Saturday evening, look out for uh, number 12, I believe number 12, Alex Stavars. So he's going to be whipping around the track in his new ride. That sounds like fun. So, yeah, maybe we'll have a little road trip. We'll take <laughs> with, take uh, the podcast next to the, the racetrack. With the speedway in the background. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. Good stuff. Well, today we want to talk uh, a little bit about discipleship uh, and and being a disciple maybe we've we've heard this uh, heard this phrase before and today we was kind of want to kind of unflesh it a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about it in our in our own lives and I had this came from a little bit of a homily I had a couple weekends ago I forget what the gospel was but I, the question I posed uh, in the homily was if somebody you know looked at your life uh, maybe for, you know from the outside could you have enough evidence to be convicted as a Christian, so uh, that was kind of the kind of the idea of homily. You know, a disciple being someone who 
is obviously a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and someone could tell could tell that. It's kind of like you know, uh, like like sports T-shirts. Uh, when you when you know everyone has their favorite sports team, yours, mm-hmm. uh, Browns, Browns, Browns for sure. You know when you see uh, another dog pound shirt, you know there's something like, something inside of you kind of goes gets excited and mm-hmm. you know you're probably more willing to talk to you know someone with a brown shirt on than you would maybe a, another team of a black and uh, yeah. black and gold, gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, shirt <laughs> right but you you know you're that person's identified you know a t-shirt kind of gives witness of, of how you're marked and how you've chosen to have yourself marked that's really good and we just received an email from one of the parishioners mm-hmm. um, with a great idea they said they were at a restaurant somewhere, and these ladies came in, and they all had on prayer walker shirts. Mm-hmm. So my guess is it was like the prayer group that was also out walking for exercise. Oh, yeah. And somebody came up to them in the restaurant and said, well, if you're a prayer walker, can you pray for me? And then shared their um, prayer intention with them. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. Here's, mm-hmm. you know, instead of talking sports, uh, which is usually like small talk, mm-hmm. somebody saw these folks with the prayer walker shirt and really confided some important things to them. So I think living discipleship is a really good example of, you know, wearing some kind or being some kind of an example to the people around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that external thing, the T-shirt, kind of gave witness to the interior reality Mm -hmm. that existed. Namely, you know, someone who prays. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who wants to pray. Someone who wants to pray for people, you know, to God. And that, that kind of external thing pointed to that interior reality. Yeah, I think, what, what, what do you think, what t-shirts do you, do you maybe most often wear? Is there a certain variety of, like, t-shirts? I probably wear, I probably wear band t-shirts uh, the most. Bands, I don't know, I, I mean, I like sports and everything. I, I like to go to games, Indians games, and, and stuff. I probably don't follow sports as much as, as much as other people, but I probably listen to more music. I do. So I probably, you probably see me walking around in a band t shirt. <laughs> I usually have a, some kind of volunteer shirt that came mm-hmm. for free. Hey, um, you know, that's we good. did a lot of retreat work in Youngstown, mm-hmm. helping uh, various neighborhoods mm-hmm. with the Diocese of Youngstown. So I have a lot of those, and they mm-hmm. wear like iron. So that's pretty much what I wear. Yeah. Hey. So whatever's there, it's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So a disciple is a follower of Jesus, right? We could very simply say that. But uh, a disciple is also someone who actually could be, you know, convicted or uh, seen to be a follower of Jesus, not just in kind of what they think, but in how they and how they live. I think this is where there's a difference between, you know, being a member uh, and being a disciple. You know, being a member of something is, you know, you're you're part of the group, you you signed up for the email, you know, uh, you, you get you get the uh, the communication in your inbox, but a member doesn't necessarily have uh, a lot to do, you know, in the in the inner workings, you know, of of the organization, you know, per se. They could if they choose to, but uh, but not necessarily. So, like, I could sign up for a membership at a golf course, and I have golf clubs in the basement, mm-hmm. <laughs> but by far nobody would can consider me a golfer a golfer unless they put they, their time and energy into they it they wouldn't actually know because they've never seen you on the course well some of them have oh, <laughs> and they still that's wouldn't true. consider me a golfer <laughs> um, but it's like do i want to put the time and the energy into the membership that i have yeah exactly and i think sometimes we can approach our faith like that i mean i know when i was growing up you know when i was in high school 
my faith was kind of like, well, I like Jesus, but but not that much. And I think this was even initially when I was first felt called to priesthood, um, because priesthood was not something I wanted to do, but I really felt called to do um, by by God. I was like, well, you know, I, I like Jesus, but not that much. You know, I don't want I don't want to be seen on the green, you know, uh, that much. I'm I'm okay, kind of mm-hmm. hanging out in the club in the clubhouse. So we were singing. You were singing. Jesus is just all right with me. Oh yeah, Doobie Brothers. Jesus is just all right with me. And it's easy to sing the song without really having to invest in the action. For sure, for sure, because Jesus shouldn't be just all right. He should be. He should be awesome. It should, should, should be everything, right? Yeah. And, good, good, good for the Doobie Brothers. And I wish it was that easy to go from mm-hmm. from me joining a golf mm-hmm. uh, team to doing all the hard work of practicing yeah. to be a golfer. Mm-hmm. And I think St. Francis is a really good example of that. Yeah, you've talked about St. Francis a little bit over this past year, um, mm-hmm. kind of us being away from the parish and, uh, and and kind of recovering, you know, getting back into parish life. You've kind of reflected a lot on the life of St. Francis. How would you say, you know, St. Francis could be convicted as a disciple? Just kind of what, speak to some of his life. Well, I think at the very beginning, his dad and mom had a lot of money and he wanted to, he was pretty much a party animal. Everybody liked to hang around with him. He was really popular because he had a lot of money and he was right. probably a, a fun guy to be with. Um, he really would like to be a crusader, so he does his best, but he <clears throat> failed horribly at crusading. So he comes back, and even in his little town of Assisi, there's this image of him on a horse with his head bowed kind of down, lowered. and even yeah. the, the horse's head is <clears throat> lowered. It's kind of like he comes back in shame. And then his life just goes through this time of suffering, and everything falls apart. His friends leave him. His family falls apart. And he finds himself sitting in this broken down church. And he hears God say, you know, I really i am calling you to be my disciple. Mm-hmm. And take a look around. The church has fallen apart. So then Francis works on rebuilding churches, like physically. Yeah, small C. Mm-hmm. Small C church. And with buying bricks and everything else. <clears throat> and then he goes out and... And starts serving the poor. A very kind of guy way of approaching mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. the, the call of God, though. Oh, you come in a building? Very, yeah. very simple. Mm-hmm. So we'll just buy bricks and rebuild the church. <laughs> uh, and then also, then he goes out and he starts working with lepers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the story says that he was repulsed by lepers until he met one one day and, and he was riding his horse down this road and he gets off his horse and gives the guy some money and then gives this guy like this big hug. And he eventually goes out and then starts working with with all the poor and all the lepers. Mm -hmm. But it was a gradual process. And I think sometimes when we talk about discipleship, we think that it should be like instantaneous. You know, I'm going to tell Jesus I love him today and it's going to be perfect tomorrow. But it takes a lifetime to grow deeper into discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to uh, Francis of Assisi's life. I mean, so many times, um, you know, we had our, our depiction of him. He's actually sitting uh, right to the right of Deacon Bob's shoulder uh, mm-hmm. right now, a little <laughs> statue of St. Francis. And, you know, we usually we see him as, you know, talking to the deer and, and the wolves and the birds and uh, like kind of this uh, great saint of connection with nature. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he was that in a very real way. But he also did a lot of 
uh, really, oh, God did a lot of really amazing things through him uh, for the church. Because as you said, like the church was really kind of, really kind of struggling uh, and falling apart uh, at the time. Your religious practice wasn't very great um, in Italy where he was. And, and God saw this and really needed someone to say yes. He needed someone to uh, work with him. And, and you know, Francis of Assisi was pretty bold. I mean, he, he did a lot of preaching uh, against a lot of the a lot of the troubles of the time people, you know, because he knew himself, you know, getting wrapped up in the world and, um, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll <laughs> of the, you know, like the like the 70s kind mm-hmm. of uh, motto. You know, he's like, that's not going to that's not going to bring us life. It's not going to bring us happiness. And he was able to speak pretty boldly to a lot of those things of his time. Well, I think he experienced a lot of those things. So he knew where the failure of that lifestyle was. Right. But it was going through the crises that he went through that he comes to understand that God is with him. Yeah. And even being rejected by his family and by the people of the town, mm-hmm. he eventually becomes loved because of his actions. Yeah. That his his faith wasn't just in the prayer, but was also in actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the ironic thing, <clears throat> I mean, maybe providential thing about his life was that you know, for his younger life, he was really seeking honor. You know, he wanted to be this great military war hero uh, and all these things. People wanted people to just pay attention to him. But then all these things, you know, his life kind of unravels and, you know, God takes him in a very different way and direction. And the irony, kind of the providence, is that, you know, he ended up being, you know, he's one of the church's most honored you know, saints, most remembered saints. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't because he followed all of his plans and did all of his things that he... Uh, receive that honor but it's because you know really God is honored most through him um, and not just himself and Francis would give things away like he really didn't want to own anything yeah so somebody came one day to where the, the friars were living and they had one last copy of the Bible and somebody asked if they could have a Bible Francis gave it away yeah if Francis saw somebody didn't have a, a coat or something he would give them theirs yeah. Um, by giving everything away, he ends up receiving so much. Yeah. So the Franciscans have these various places that people just have donated to them because mm-hmm. they're usually good at giving everything away and not owning anything. Yeah. Yeah, and that can play out. You know that 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 concept that that idea can play out. You know, with our financial or with our physical things, but even if we apply it just to our lives, like if I give my life away to God which may seem like a senseless thing to do, mm-hmm. um, is, I mean, in a certain logical way, is a senseless thing to do. If I give my life away to God, um, I will actually receive more in return. I had the blessing of going to uh, Assisi uh, during the seminary, and we were able to spend a day, because we were in Rome uh, for, for a week, and then we went to Assisi for a day. And it's beautiful. The, the Assisi is kind of up in the up in the hills away from the city. Mm-hmm. So it's very quiet, and it's kind of this, um, in the hills, kind of mountain town. And the San Damiano Church, so where Francis really has one of his most you know, poignant conversion experiences, it's kind of, a, kind of at the bottom of the hill. <clears throat> but when you go up into the town um, where it is now, uh, there's actually these these caves. So Francis and his and his brothers, they would go to these uh, these caves. The uh, carceri, I think, is the Italian word, and they would they would just spend you know sometime days you know just 
praying in these caves because they were seeing all that was going on around them. And it was pretty moving just to, to go to these little little holes in the rock, <laughs> essentially, mm -hmm. uh, where these guys, <clears throat> you knew, like, they weren't just hanging out here for a little camp out, but they were really praying for the world. And, you know, seemingly <clears throat> something maybe couldn't, no one would have ever seen or known, you know. But because that was something God was calling them to do, and then to see the actions, their their works and their actions um, of bringing life to the church that came from that, it was just a very profound experience, uh, just to kind of be in that in that little, those little sacred spots. Yeah, that was one of my favorite places, <laughs> along with going and just sitting in the San Damiano Church, which is more like not even a chapel; it's not so mm -hmm. big. Just wondering, you know. Can I respond to God's call the way that Francis did? Mm -hmm. And there's a story about this young guy. All the, the friars were in bed, and they didn't have very much to eat. Yeah. And this guy wakes up in the middle of the night, and he just screams, Francis, I can't do this anymore. Mm. He goes, I got to get out of here. And Francis goes, you know what? I don't expect you to, to follow God the way I follow God. I expect you to ask God how you're supposed to follow God. Mm. And so they broke out a bottle of wine. They broke out the last loaf of bread. They had a little party, and the kid left. Um, hey. You know, it, and I think the, the story is really important that we can't follow God the way somebody else does, is we have to listen yeah. to God and follow God the way that God's calling us to. Yeah. Yeah, and that could be a great temptation, you know, in, in, the, in, in being a disciple, right? Because we can look at other people that we think, oh, look at their faith. You know, look at how they how they how they pray and their 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 family just seems to all be so practicing mm -hmm. and you know like look at all we can we can almost idolize other people in the church you know to say like oh wow look at their discipleship well but yeah they're they are who they are and we don't know what's going on in their lives really it's kind of like watching facebook or whatever media you yeah. follow it's everybody's life looks perfect because it's airbrushed and right. they only show you the really right. great picture they don't show you the fights they had before the picture right right so. right when the, and, but the reality is that god doesn't need them god needs you mm -hmm. god needs god needs us to to respond to him because each of us are infinitely unique and in each of us are going to be uh, a disciple are going to express faith in a in a very unique way. That's that's essential for our world. It's essential for everyone we come into into contact with, and uh, we're going to be the ones to do it. I think uh, if you, if folks that are listening are going through some kind of a struggle, like Francis did, you know that um, if you ask God to be part of that struggle, God will lead you to where you have to go. Um, right before Francis died, as he was dying, he said. I've done what God's called me to do. Now you have to ask God to help you figure out what you have to do. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the same struggle we all face is mm -hmm. how do we invite God into the moment and ask God to lead us, even mm -hmm. if it's like step by step. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's good. And I think the question is, you know, we're called to be disciples and not just members. You know, we're we're kind of made members of the church by, you know, receiving our sacraments and uh, and going to Catholic school and doing the things, and we can look Catholic maybe on on a, on a certain level, mm -hmm. but we're called to be more than that. You know, um, we're called to be we're called to be just more than than good people or nice people. We're called to be disciples, and uh, you know what? How, how what is what is that supposed to look like in our own lives so that we could be convicted as a Christian? 
I think our Protestant brothers and sisters always ask Catholics, are you born again? And I think in the Catholic world, that means I was baptized as a kid, but have I really grown up to accept what that means? Mm-hmm. You know, or do I, have I really... Am I living that? Living. And somewhere along the line, we, there's a moment in our lives when we say, I am going to live this. I'm not mm-hmm. just going to sign up for the golf tournament, dress the part, right. and not do the work to right. make it happen. Right. Yeah, because you don't want to just be... You don't want to just have the membership. You want to be able to be out on the green, mm-hmm. you know, playing the game. And the same with living our faith. we got to do our best to love God, but also love those people we encounter yeah. every day. Yeah, and uh, as a last thought, uh, kind of along all these lines, uh, C.S. Lewis, a great Christian writer, he had a, a quote that I think I've, I, I really enjoy. He said, let your, let your religion be less of a theory uh, and more of a love affair. Or you could say adventure. You know, let mm-hmm. your let your religion be less of a theory uh, and more of an adventure. It's supposed to be something exciting, something that's supposed to be life changing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have, we're. It's not that our faith is boring; is that we're boring. <laughs> you know, that we we don't really want to put a lot of a lot of interest in it. Sometimes, but if we if we put the interest in it, in the sense of really responding to God, uh, it could be so much more than we imagine it to be. And I know that's true in my own life, uh, just over these past few years of priesthood doing things I never would have thought I would have uh, done or um, been, been involved in. So, All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for the time today. We'll end uh, with a prayer, you know, asking uh, uh, Jesus to continue to make us his disciples. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, give you thanks and praise for the gift of this day, the gift of, the gift of, our, of our lives, of our faith, uh, of your church. We ask you to be with us today. No matter where we're, we're coming from or where we're going, that you may strengthen our hearts to first hear your voice, no matter where you be, may be speaking, whether that's um, through a podcast, through a friend, through a billboard, through something we're reading, uh, through our prayer. We ask you to open our eyes and our ears. We may hear you. And then the courage to respond to you, no matter where you're calling us, to give constantly uh, more of ourselves um, to you, so that you can continue to renew the world uh, through us. We give you thanks. Uh, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. By the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, everybody, enjoy the day, and we'll catch you next week. God bless. Thanks. Thanks.